0: So (laughs) what is your favorite color? Teal. That was the best answer ever, Teal. That is so good. You don't have a choice, though. (laughs) We have a choice, but you don't. Uh, Must be Teal for you. Uh, What is your favorite color? Orange, green, blue. Yeah, yeah, totally. Me too. what a question, right? Um, I was asking this question last night, just nonchalant, um, casually asking this question last night, at Conduit North. Now, many of you uh, may know or may not know or have may have been there or may not have been there, but Conduit North on Saturday night meets on the north side of Jamestown, uh, recently we've been meeting in the back of Papa Joe's laundromat, which um, is interesting, for sure. I mean, there's so many things that, like, looking, when you describe the, the location and, and the, the ground zero by which we want to serve people, um, it's, it's so fun and amazing. And, and the thing that, that, that has been really interesting about it is there's been kids every week all over the place um, we don't really know where their parents are, a lot of them, or, um, and they're hungry, and they love sugar, and they get to have con- and consume lots and lots and lots of sugar. And so um, I was there uh, early yesterday before it all started, and uh, Pastor Cameron was there uh, way even before that, and he was setting things up, getting prepared for the meal that had been prepared for them to, to, to eat. And a lot of times we've been packaging meals, uh, or at least snacks, that uh, non-perishable snacks, or at least non-perishable for a while, uh, that they can take with them. Um, crackers and fruit snacks and granola bars and, and juice boxes and things like that, putting it in a bag for them to take. So there's this, uh, this one room that we meet in, and there's this tiny little kitchen that could be mistaken as a small broom closet, right? This little tiny area in the back that all these supplies are right there, candy and all kinds of stuff. And I had walked in, and there was a little girl named Aaliyah. And uh, <laughs> she loves to talk, and she doesn't stop talking, right? <laughs> like, it's almost, if you want some entertainment, next week show up about 4.30 at Condit North and just watch Pastor Cameron conversate with this, this girl in particular because she's just all over the place. And yesterday she had like four different birthdays, and, uh, and different. she couldn't remember which birthday was actually hers. But the question I asked her As I stood in that small kitchen area, I asked her what her favorite color was. And she started naming all these colors. Orange, blue, red, light blue. And I noticed as she was answering the question, she was looking past me. And she was looking at, I believe she was looking at starbursts. (laughs) And it was hilarious because she knew even in my question she knew what she wanted she knew what she wanted to choose and it was based on what she wanted and what she wanted to choose the question was simply what's your favorite color I didn't even have this in mind what is your favorite color well it's blue and red and yellow and (laughs) and that's exactly the exchange that happened now, the things that we choose based on the things that we want, at times, the sin that we want, the pitfall, that even though we know what that pitfall is, we still choose it because we want something so bad. So today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about our sin. I want to talk about... Um, the sin of the church at Corinth. Paul's letter to this church in chapter 10, if you have a Bible, if you'd turn there, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're, we're, we're dissecting the, the, the letters, the stories, the, the bigger narrative of what this church in the city of Corinth was learning as they were beginning to follow Christ, as they were a new, new believers. Some were mature believers, but they all, in a sense, were new believers. And it was this really neat exchange of, and and I'm sure people wouldn't describe it necessarily as neat. They would describe their lives as messy. The church was messy. (laughs) Can you relate? Our lives are messy. The The choices that we make are messy. And so today, this is, the, this is the one thing I want you to get. Is that when we make the choice of what we want, I want you to consider what's not seen. When we make the choice that we want, consider what's not seen. For her, for Aaliyah, she was sitting in a seat, literally leaning almost out of her seat, looking, and she was choosing Considering only what she saw. She wanted what she saw. In fact, she wanted several somethings of different colors that she wanted from what, we saw, what she saw. But when we make the choice of what we want, we need to consider the unseen. We need to consider what is not seen. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in chapter 10 to the church of Corinth. Let's dive right in. Verse 1, it says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock, That followed them, and the rock was Christ that followed them. Excuse me. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these, listen, now these things, it says in verse 6, now these things took place as examples for us. What things? What things? What does it mean that in verse one that they were all under a cloud and they all passed through the sea, and they are all baptized in the cloud and in the sea, the same spiritual food, the same spiritual drink, all drinking from the rock, and that rock is Christ. We don't have time to dive into dissect the what Paul specifically is talking about. But if you are familiar with um, um, the Israelites and how they were freed from bondage and God had promised them a place, a land, a promised land for them to go, a land flowing with blessing and milk and honey, an amazing provision for them. It wasn't even just about the destination. If you read the, the Old Testament scriptures you see that this whole thing was more actually about the journey they were led by a cloud in the day and they were led by a ball of fire in the night and they followed this they were provided for manna fell food literally fell from heaven and gave them exactly what they needed and when they needed it Water came from a rock and gave them exactly what they needed. They were literally in a position where they were led. But here's the, the pitfall. As Paul just said, many did not want to be led. This is a simple leadership principle of any of us that are, that are kids, that are adults, that are, that are employees, that are bosses, that are are. are are, are just friends, are brothers. Right? Any leadership principle is this, is that if you want to be led and who you're led in leadership by, that can lead you to good things. And in this case, in Israel's case, that's led to hope and life. And in their case, very much um, plenty, very much um, um, provision was given to them daily for what they needed. Now, this is beyond just food and drink. This is beyond just uh, the GPS of where this promised land is. This is more about who's God. This is more about who's in charge. And this is more, the bigger picture is more about, do I want my way or do I want God's way? And so my desire this morning is to literally just take a moment out of this, this chapter and examine not just um, we as people that make wrong choices and we choose things that we want and we don't consider what's not seen. We, we choose based on sometimes what is seen. This is beyond that. I want My desire this morning is that you would see the heart of God and the main attribute of God which is holiness. There's no spot, blemish, mistake in God the Father God the Son, even when He was on this earth for 33 years, and God the Holy Spirit, and dwelling inside the believer. My desire is that you would see His heart, and you would see your heart, and that you would see His plan is so clearly lined out and laid out for you very, very simply this morning. Now, Conduit is an interesting church, um, and when I say interesting, I mean exciting, because there's something about this church that is so welcoming to all people, no matter where you're at in, in your faith. And so I simply want to, um, just for, for illustration, I want to kind of uh, outline uh, what this means. And, and obviously we are a church that believes in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. We believe his word is, is perfect and inerrant. We stand on it, we live by it, Old Testament, New Testament, and the hope that it brings. We believe we're a church that should be immediately overflowing to minister to the city, to live, to love, to serve, to be in a place where not only is it flowing out of our church and into the city, but first and foremost, our own heart, our own home. And so we welcome the on-ramp, the merge to get on to following Christ we try to get everything out of the way because Christ got everything out of the way so that you could be a part of it. <laughs> Walking with Christ, being a Christian in 2017, is hard enough. So our desire is to clear the way and to, to, so that you can be free in the freedom of Christ. But I know that today, there are different people in this room based on your journey of faith. And I'm gonna, just gonna uh, walk you through three uh, Maybe, I'll say even categories, but just so that you have an understanding of where I'm headed to uh, this day. Because let's face it, Paul, in this case, was writing to believers. In fact, he, he uses the word mature believers. W- where he's been the last several chapters, the last several um, moments, even in what we've preached on the last few weeks, has been the understanding of maturity as a believer. So if you're in this room, you're, you're one of three categories. Either you're a believer where I stand right now, and these are not steps, so to speak, so don't be confused on like step one, two, or three or A B C. I'm just pointing out three simple places that you might be at today. You're a believer. You're a new believer? Like things are just fresh and new. You have made a decision to ask Christ into your life. You've asked Christ to save you from your sins based on what he did on the cross. How he rose from the dead. How you want to be forgiven. How you want to follow him. How that's your desire and you're trying. And maybe you're even here right now because you completely understand the fact of, uh, or you want to understand what it looks like to follow Christ. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you don't have a whole lot of answers yet. Maybe you don't even completely understand what I'm saying so far, but maybe you're in that spot. You're here. Welcome. And then there's the other category. Those that are not believers yet. Come on. You with me, man? I need you today, man. (laughs) So either you're not a believer yet, (laughs) or you're a new believer, or you're a believer. There's this opportunity, there's this leaning, there's this this obvious factor of what Paul is saying does apply to all of us. But do understand that this letter is written to believers and new believers. So if you're here today and you're not a believer yet, I want to invite you today to become a believer by faith in Jesus Christ. To ask him into your heart. He will forgive you. He has offered you grace. He has offered you mercy. His arms are open wide. In fact, they got nailed open wide. He took the price of your sin. He's declared you righteous through faith and trust in what he did, not what you can do or what all your good things can add up to in your 75 years. He's given you the opportunity today that by faith, which that may be even a big concept or a big word for you, but let that simply be you're trusting him to take the account of your sin. And he did. Like, well, that's not fair. Yeah, I know. But Christ did that for you. He took your sin, my sin, and the sins of the world, and he put it on his shoulder, and he took the spanking for us, so to speak. The wrath of God, O holy God, was poured out on his son, Jesus, on behalf of us, for us. Christ didn't even know sin. When he died on the cross, it says in in 2 Corinthians that um, Christ who knew no sin became sin, so that you and I can become the righteousness of Christ. There's no way that you can be holy. There's no way that I can be holy. No one, not even the Pope himself, can become holy before a holy God. It's impossible. But because of Christ, it makes it possible for all of us. How? Faith. And so that's literally, like, like you may think, like, oh, that's a big step to go from not believing yet to being a new believer. It's one step, though. People are like, well, praying a prayer? Oh, oh that's uh, yes, that's what you do. It's, 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 the, it's the, the shotgun at the beginning of a race. It's the beginning. It's the, hi, I'm Jesus. I'm here to save your soul moment where you accept that, you receive that, And if you feel that, and today is the day that you want to choose that, I want to invite you so strongly and lovingly, let that be the day. Let this be the day of salvation for you. Please come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Cameron after. We'd love to walk you through because it is a big step. And there's a lot of questions you may have, and we want to take the time face-to-face, knee-to-knee, toe-to-toe to be able to walk you through that. Let that be the day. But the real message today is to the believers, whether new or just believers. No matter where you're at, even in this step of being a believer, like yeah, I really got it, and I've you know I've made lots of mistakes, or I I would consider myself I've been following Christ for 40 years. I I know what the Bible is teaching. I still like it's on a journey for me. But you're in this this place of believer, of being a believer in Christ and you still have choices. So when Paul is saying in this letter, and why I needed to really divide that into those three categories, is you, under, you need to understand, this is not specifically a letter to those that are not believers. This is with the understanding if the people have been truly made righteous in God's eyes. They have truly been made holy. They are clothed and the righteousness of Christ. They are heaven bound. They are on their way to eternity. No matter what happens in their life, no man can take it from them. Christ has given them something. They can't lose it. It's very, very clear. But what he's saying here is this is for those people. So when he addresses sin, I need to make this really clear. Today when I address sin, you need to understand we're not talking about you better get your your stuff together You better get your stuff together or you're going to lose heaven. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking actually about something called abundant life. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside you, that wants to set you free and let you go and put you on mission and let you run the race that is set before you and make an impact on your home, your church, and your community. That's what it's about. For believers and new believers and that's what Paul is saying he's saying when we make the choice of what we want just stop and consider for a moment what you don't see moms, dads, brothers grandpas grandmas bosses employees, neighbors listen let's choose the right thing even if we can't see it and what Paul's saying here is that our ancestors, the Israelites, they, they were led in miraculous, tangible ways. And yet they still chose their own way. Jesus talks about blessed are those who actually see me and like see Jesus. But really blessed are those who have never seen me. And ladies and gentlemen, you may have seen the Holy Spirit in your life, and the evidence, and the fruit, in His presence, but you've never seen Jesus. They saw Jesus. So that's a challenge to every single one of us. The stakes are high. Jesus sees your faith. And that faith is enough to move the mountain. But the mountain that He wants you to move isn't so much like world-changing, city-flopping, flip like this moment of like becoming famous and being known for this great pioneer of being a Christian man or Christian woman. He wants your heart. He wants you to resist sin. Every moment, every day, every choice you make, your eternity is taken care of because of faith in Jesus Christ, but he's begging you, he's pleading with you that when you make the choice of what you think you want, Consider what is not seen. So, no matter what category you're in, let's keep reading verse 6. Now, these things took place, Paul says, as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. The message translation says this part really clearly. It's like (laughs) basically, uh, your way or God's way? That's really what it is. That's what it was for them. It's what it was for the church in Corinth. And that's what it is for Conduit Church in this moment. You people that are sitting here in your life, in every category of your life, in your mind, things that people know about or things that people don't even know that you're wrestling with are in your mind. You choose this day who you're going to serve. You choose who gets the victory. You choose who gets the glory. You choose who's in charge. Is it God or is it me? Is it what I say or what the world say? says, or is it what God says? And this is why it's important to read the Word. This is why it's important to understand the church of Corinth. This is why it's so important. This is why we get passionate up here. It's because we feel it. We live it. We fall. We mess up. We get distracted, just like you. And in that humanness, we step back and we see a Savior that, yes, has forgiven sins that we haven't even committed yet. The punishment is paid for. The wrath is all, like, been poured out so what christ is inviting us to is joy relationship i seek today to answer this question why does god not want us to sin why does god want us to not sin and i've kind of already outlaid the obvious factor of the main attribute of god is holy And it describes it in Revelation that these angels, and it echoes what happens in Isaiah, that that these angels for eternity, past, and future, call out, holy, 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 holy to God all the time. That's who he is. That's who he is. That means he's perfect. That means he's sinless. He can't be near sin. And God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And the representation of sin being darkness, it immediately expels one another. It immediately expels. God, who is holy, has to immediately expel sin. And when Christ took on the sin of you and I, that's why God the Father had to turn his back, because he immediately, the light expels and divides the darkness. There's no way anybody will get to heaven without being holy. That's why Christ has made provision like the cloud and like the rock and like the manna provided for the Israelites. God has sent provision through his son, a meal sacrifice, a blood sacrifice given for you and I to be forgiven, to receive his holiness, to be Drenched in who he is. And he wants you. He invites you to experience that now. Not just wait till you take your last breath. Keep going. Verse 7. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink They rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell and died in a single day. We surely don't have time to dive into that story. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and they were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumbled as some of them did and we destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example. That's like the third time it's, it's expressed. These things happen as an example to us. Will we learn from the mistakes of those that have gone before? Will we, will we step into humility when pride seems so easy and obvious? Will we step into obedience when man, oh man, everything I'm seeing seems like it would be really easy to choose my own way rather than surrender to the ways of the Lord. Now these things happen to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction. I'm telling you right now, I don't want my kids instruction book to be where their dad missed the boat, or where the pitfalls that I fell into. That only naturally happens. I understand, and I get it. But my desire, and my desire for you, as it's Paul's desire for them, is that we would not just see the past ancestors, our fathers, so to speak, mistakes but that we learn from them and we use it as instruction. On whom the end of the ages has come, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Anyone who thinks that he's able to take care of this in pride, take heed. He will fall. And then verse 13 is where I want to part. No temptation has overtaken you, That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We have a choice. We have an opportunity to obey Christ, to obey his word, to live our lives in a way that is very, very clearly laid out in his word. And we're in a place, like in a lot of times, at this moment, at this place, this church, we are believers and new believers. And in order for those doors to be as wide open as they can, we need to make the on-ramp as wide as we can, the door as wide as we can for those that aren't believers yet. And so they need to know, the holiness of God they need to know the grace of God and the mercy that he offers but make no mistake about it God didn't change he's still holy he's still holy and he gives us this opportunity as we come into being a new believer and a believer where we get to follow and obey his commands we get to line our life in a place align our life in a place where we can please him where we can honor him with what his word is saying. Not out of duty, but out of desire. Not out of have to, but want to. To this place where it's not about earning your salvation, but it's about understanding your salvation. It's about grasping the the, the huge reality of what your salvation, that you weren't just saved from hell. You weren't just saved from something. You were saved to something You were saved to a Savior that wants to be with you. You were saved to God the Father that was able to sacrifice his own son and be brutally murdered so he could be with you. So that the Holy Spirit could live inside of you. So that he could set you free. So that he could give you absolute supernatural power that's so radical that we don't even know what that even means in this moment. God, take my life. Take everything I got. Take all these things because I want to be used by you, for you. I want to change my home. I want to change this church. I want to change this city. But the first thing and the, the only thing that will clog the tube of the conduit in your life is sin. Not with God. He sees you as holy. And when you break that fellowship and you're like constantly disobeying what he's asking you to do, There's not this like fine, I'm done with you. No, he is always present. The Holy Spirit is living inside you, but don't you dare clutch the Spirit of God. And don't you dare stiff arm the Spirit of God because He has this favor in your life. He desires so greatly to use you, He desires so greatly to take your life and put it on display, not for you to be on display, but for him to be on display. He wants to take your resources and the things you have and to blow it up for the kingdom of God. He wants to take this church, and he he wants us to literally pour it out under the community, where it's so clear that we are so about Christ that the community knows it, that it's not about our credit, but it's about His credit and His glory. He wants to fill you so that you understand this complete reality of what it looks like to obey. Yes, we're sons and daughters. Yes, we'll always be sons and daughters. He's not ripping that away, but because we're sons and daughters, we have to obey. We have to obey His commands. Not I have to because I want to because we love him. We can't choose our own way. We have to choose his way. And um, <laughs> sometimes we skirt past it. And sometimes this message isn't so popular. And if you feel a bit of like, 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 like this conviction right now, um, or, or I'll, I'll say, um, if you feel that, We confess our sins. He is faithful. He is just. Those are a part of his main attributes as well. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. News, news flash. That's 1 John 1 9. That was not written to people that are not believers yet. If you confess your sin, new believer. If you confess your sin, believer, he's still faithful. He's still just. He's going to wipe it clean. He's going to forget. He's going to be like, wait, what, what did you do? What happened? I don't even remember. <laughs> right? And that's what the Holy Spirit does inside of you right now. If you're a, if you, now, if you're not a believer yet and right now you feel guilty, that may seem normal because you've, you've got no hope. And I'm inviting you today to put your hope in Christ because guilt turns to conviction. And conviction gives you a way out. Conviction is a, literally a reach. Like, get out of the water, Peter. Let's believe again. Let's trust again. And what I did, can I remind you that it's not about your sin or lack of sin. It's about what I did on the cross and your faith in me. And you even grab my hand, shows me that you believe that, and I'm all in. But sin is sin. You guys, uh, if you've been at church long enough, you've been around Christians long enough, you know Christians sin. <laughs> right? Like we kind of act like, oh, once we step up, we're good. We don't sin anymore. Or then we like, we try to hide it. Like, like I'm good. Or like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I got nothing to hide. Yeah. And everybody else sees it but you. But she had this opportunity to be just like he's saying with Israelites. He's saying, Hey, even in this moment of confessing your sins, you can do it your own way and try to hide it, or you can own it. You can own it and be received and welcomed and used again for the kingdom. David, when he sinned, his pr- one of his prayers was, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. It's just the sad this, this heartbreaking reality that when you and I sin, there's this understanding that we think as if, as if God is there, there is a reality of sin is there and God is there. There is this, as a Christian, there is this reality of like feeling distant from God. I'm seeking sin. I'm running after sin. But in reality, yeah, God is there. Christ is with seated at the right hand of the Father but then you, in this moment, conviction holds a mirror up to you and you realize that the Holy Spirit is right with you. Even in your sin. And even though light expels the darkness, <laughs> Romans 5, 8 makes it very clear that in that while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. While the nails were in his hands, he's yelling out, Father, Father, Yep, forgive them too. They don't understand what they're doing. So even in the moment as we run after sin, we pursue it, looking in the rear view, thinking that God is back there, and we're just chasing our own way. In reality, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He's like, what What are we doing? So when we make the choice of what we want, Let's consider what we don't see. Let's consider what we don't see. But there's hope. Are you ready for it? There's hope for every person in this room. And that hope is Jesus Christ for every one of those steps. It's the same step it's the same reality if you're taking notes I want you just to write down um, actually let's turn there Proverbs chapter 7 Proverbs chapter 7 is in the Old Testament right after Psalms so, uh, Proverbs chapter 7 This is, it doesn't get any more real than this. And you think about the the relevant nature of like when this took place or when this poetry took place that Solomon warns, and this is all too real for him and his family. He says in verse 1, he says, My son... Keep my words and treasure my commandments with you. My commandments and Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them around your fingers. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. Call to insight, you're my intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman. From the adulteress with her smooth words. And obviously this isn't just about sex. This is about The sin that so easily entices us away from the Father, away from the things that we seek. He's talking to his son. It's in the context of that can't be taken away. But it is in the ever-present reality of death. He says, For at the window of my house, it's somewhat of a poetic vision that he had, a warning for his son. He says, For at the window of my house I have looked through the lattice and I have seen among the simple I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense passing down the street near her corner taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening at the time of night and darkness where nobody will see him nobody will know and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, at every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him. She woos him. She draws him. She wants him to choose based on she wants him to choose what he wants based on what he sees, not what is not seen. She seizes him and kisses him. With a bold face, she says to him, "I have offered sacrifices. And today, I have paid my vows. She essentially is saying, I'm, "I have already decided and I'm not going to feel guilty." I've already decided that this is okay. I have sp- so now I come to meet you and to seek you eagerly and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed the bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us fill our love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. This is where... Probably PG 13 rating ends, right? (laughs) Some of you are uncomfortable. It's okay. It's just a story, all right? It's just a story. For my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him at full moon. He will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, and as a stag that is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that this will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she laid low, and all her slain are mighty throng. This basically means, that's not the first time this happened, alright? This is not the last time it happens, but her house is the way to Sheol. Hell. Garbage. Going down to the chambers of death. The warning is clear. But the warning is at the context that this hasn't happened. It's a context of the mistakes of the person even communicating this. It's the perspective of a man seeing all of this line up and he's warning his son of what could come. That is grace. That is mercy. That is hope. Inviting them to that. Inviting him to that. Think about the, even, w- the, even the way that, that in regards to te- t- the temptation that comes, think about in regards to that it says in chapter 10 back in Corinthians that we, there's no temptation that's not uncommon to everybody else. But in your temptation, he's given you a way of escape. He's given you an opportunity to say no. He's given you a way out. He's given you a clear path to do the right thing. The right thing is maybe clear, but it's always a a difficult road because it's based on things we don't see. It's based on ignoring the things that are right in front of us that we may see. It's an invitation to doing the right thing and making the right choice and honoring God with our life as a believer and a follower of Christ. But in that is hope. And even the way that, what what does Jesus say in regards to how he invites us? How he invites us To pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a daily moment where we get to invite God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit into this situation. And even your prayer is a step of obedience. Even your prayer is this moment like, I don't know where that cloud's taking me, but I'm all in. I don't know what this day might bring, but I'm going to hit my knees first, and I'm going to pray and ask for God to help me, to delete, to not lead me into temptation, to, to, deliver, to deliver me from evil, because it's all about his glory, and it's all about his power in my life. It's all about his influence, and for this moment, it may not be flashy or sexy for the moment, but I will obey. I will do what he says, and then Jesus even invites us later in Luke. That was Luke chapter 11 and even in Luke 14. He challenges us. If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is not our prerequisite. This is a true fruit. This is not hey, if you love this is not an ultimatum. Well, if you love me, you like we've all been in that spot. Well, if you love me, you'll do this. <laughs> it's not what Jesus is saying. His heart is inviting you to abundant life, true hope, peace, influence, mission for the sake of the gospel. (laughs) I love him. I know you do. Loving Jesus is the true mark of a believer. New or not. Love is the true mark. And if you love him, what does he say to do? Obey. Obey is not like, (laughs) where's Quint? That'd be a good name for his next book. That'll, that'll, That'll like really draw the crowd. You just need to obey, right? Like there's this moment, there's not this very inviting thing about just obeying. It means that we're acting on what we already know and what we're told. And there's nothing like pioneering about that. But when you choose to pioneer with God, you've already established the direction. When you choose to follow Christ, you've already established that you're not on the throne. When you choose to follow God, you've laid aside your own wants and desires, and you've submitted to his desires. This idea of denying ourselves, of temptation, of choosing his way, like I understand, like all of us understand as humans that this is not always easy. It's difficult. And even right now, the way the mind works, the way emotions work, you make choices or I make choices based on what we see or feel or what our mind can conjure up. And maybe even today, just the, the, the psychological uh, questioning that you have in your life because I have a feeling that some of you guys, th- these are like, this may seem uh, vague if you're listening to this, but I would challenge that this probably is really specific to your life. Like you know the thing that has drawn you in. And like in Proverbs, maybe it's not the woman at the corner with all that whole situation, but it's something that is pulling you away from what you know is right and God honoring. It's this invitation to do not just the right thing, but the thing that will free us. But... Maybe you're thinking to yourself, a few things here, like maybe the thought process for you is, well, like in my life, well, let me, let me say it this way. If, let me back up one step. Um, when I was, uh, when, when my, I have five children, when my second child, Declan, um, is he in the room? He is, he's in the back. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> This just got more difficult. Uh, when, <laughs> when Declan was about Mabel's age, and there's a lot of like similarities in uh, personality and uh, loving, loving their way. Um, I we even have videos of this, and I almost brought it, or I almost tried to find it to put it up there. But this happened all the time. It was, it's cute now, but at the time it wasn't so cute. Declan, when he's about about two years old, we would be in a public place, like a parade or a park or something and it was time to like literally walk or make the journey and if you have children like this is the moment where you like like you if you don't pick them up maybe you're carrying five other things or five other children and you and you want to hold their hand so that you can direct them and guide them which way to go you're choosing for them the direction you're going they're not choosing their own direction but Declan did this thing like it happened all the time where like literally and he's like ah it's so funny but I wasn't, I didn't think it was funny then. But he would do this thing where like if I, I would say I'm walking and he's w- kind of walking this way and, and I would reach down and he would know exactly what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to reach up and grab my hand, but this is exactly what he would do. <laughs> like he would, Declan, do you want to come demonstrate? <laughs> <laughs> He would do this thing where he literally, his whole body, noises, everything, like, "Mm -hmm." and so then I'd reach a little further, and he'd, "Mm -hmm." he did not want to be led. He wanted to make his own choice. He wanted to create his own path. And although we were created uh, by God, and he created us sinless in the Garden of Eden, That was the way it originated. But even as sin nature has entered all of us in that birth of our actual life, that's natural. It's natural to be the rebel. It's natural to want to not do the right thing. It's natural to choose our own way. It's the very fiber of how our sin nature reveals itself from a young age up to when we're adults. We don't want to be led. And when God is wanting to lead us, like we get to the spot where we want to do our own thing. But here's the thing. If I've said this, that when we make the choice of what we want, consider what's not seen, I would also say for a moment, as we look at the past of our life, your choices are a mirror of what you really wanted. That's hard. I know. The choices that you made was the blue, and the yellow, and the orange one. It may not have been really what you wanted, or certainly what, not what you needed. But that choice, well, that was what you made. And that's what you really wanted in that moment. Um, John Paul Sartre said (laughs) very simply, we are our choices. But I disagree. Because he's talking about identity. And I'm talking about a decision. Choose this day who you're going to serve. If you're alive, if you're not dead, you're not done. And this isn't a moment to sit here and feel guilty and completely consumed by what you've done. Because if you're here, he actually wants to take, as I talked about two weeks ago, with all the garbage and all the things and and the weeds that were happening, he wants to actually use that as a framework he wants to invite you even past the thought of, well, it just seems right in the time. It just seemed right. It seems right right now. It's not, it shouldn't be that way. That choice of what we want should be about who we're running after, who we're choosing. It shouldn't be about it just seems right, or it shouldn't be uh, it just worked for me. That's, that's not the right thing either, because then it's about your way. It's you essentially dodging leadership and direction in your life. It shouldn't be about, well, I'm going to do what I want. You don't have that choice. The true, freeing, life-giving, eternal, but eternally revealed in this life choice that you get is Christ and everything that he's saying, and all his commandments, that he lines out for you. The, like, honestly, people, even just take the Ten Commandments. People took those Ten Commandments and so like, that God is just some rule keeper in the sky, and he's keeping track, and he's like Santa Claus just waiting for you to mess up, and oh, he knows when you're naughty. He kind of knows when you're nice, and so there's this... this stupid reality in our society that it's about like the good outweighing the bad and I still hear this and I'm sure you do too but it's just a reality of even the ten commandments the final commandment the final commandment was thou shalt not covet but those Israelites and even these Corinthians I don't think they saw that as a man I shouldn't covet I shouldn't want things I would argue that for them, the 10th commandment was a reward. If you do this, if you keep this a priority, if you Sabbath and rest, if you run after Jesus, if you don't live your life taking his name in vain, you don't uh, have adultery, you don't kill, you, don't st- you do that. Like this is, that's what it's like to not want anything else. Because found in that, it's not about you, how many of those four four out of ten, six out of ten that you got right. It's about who was with you and what he experienced. And the plan and the cloud that I'm following is what he revealed. Even in that God being holy, his son was sent for us, for us to make that choice. We can't even see him. But I'll choose him. Will you choose him? Will you choose him? Think about what Jesus chose. Jesus chose what he wanted. Jesus chose what he wanted. And honestly, because he became in the form of man, and I believe that he, yes, was 100% God, 100% man, but I believe that there was some element that I won't fully understand to eternity, I believe there was some element of he chose something that he couldn't even see himself in the garden of Gethsemane, as he's the night before he's about to be murdered for our sins. His reality, his reality was moving forward in faith and obedience. Even the Son of God obeyed. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. Final thought. Final thought. When we make... The choice of what we want. Consider what's not seen. When I was a child, (laughs) we played this game, loved to swim, still do, still can smoke my kids in this game. But we played different games in the pool, like Alligator or Marco Polo. We used to love playing this game of who can stay under the water the longest yeah. I don't have many talents, (laughs) but I held on to that one. Like, I, because that's, that's really just about being stubborn, right? And if you know me, you know that just, like, just hang on. I don't need air. I got this. Like, I can feel it like this. Like, I had a, I had a mode. I had a method. My friend Jared lived right behind me. We'd be in his, his, his in-ground pool, and there's this ladder that went to the deep end. And this is going to sound crazy, but this is about winning, right? And so I was, I literally, I would go to the bottom of the ladder, and I would wedge myself underneath the ladder. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous, right? But I won, and I set the record for two minutes, 36 seconds. So if all y'all got some game, bring it. We'll find a pool. We'll find a pool. Or Chris will let us in the pool in the middle of the- I'll bring it on. Let's do it. I don't think I can do it that long anymore, but um, I'm out of breath just like walking around. But uh, I'm in there, and it's like locked in. I can, even in this very second, I know that feeling. You can't even describe of wanting to breathe. And I remember I can, like, you can hear things underwater a different way, and you can see, like, your competitors. Like, I literally can picture all my friends, like, one by one looking down, like, and then, like, you, they spring up, right? And then you got, the, you got them cheaters that, like, go back under, Right, they always win because they got two breaths and they just—they just cheat. They just—they're—they made a bad choice and therefore <laughs> eternity. Never mind. Uh, I'm—I remember like this moment of being under there and like you just—you you're done. Like you're like that. You, if you just started, to, okay, here we go. Like that wouldn't have surprised me, but you gotta win. And my last thing is, I would do is I would like if I couldn't take it anymore, I like I unwedged myself. Right. And uh, I would kick off the side, but still underwater, just because it was like my last-ditch effort. And I remember, like, like, swimming, like, on the deep end, on the other side, and knowing that, like, I can't take, like, I need air so bad, but I come up out of the water, and it's like this, and all of a sudden, the thing that I needed the most is still readily available. There's this desperation moment for me in the water. I'm convinced for two minutes and ten seconds that I don't need air. For that last 30 seconds, I need air like my life depended on it. At the very core of our choices, at the very core of what we choose in resisting sin and running after and obeying Jesus. Our desire, our desire to obey should be so much greater than anything else. Our desire for loving and following and running after Jesus should be so desperate that that's all we ever need. It's all we ever want. That is the definition and the mark of a believer and a new believer in its infant form and its mature form i just need him because you begin when you begin to run the race as it says in hebrews chapter 12 like let us run the race with patience the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy went to the cross he laid it all down and let's let's it says let us uh, lay aside every weight that's on Let's lay aside that weight in the race. And let us not, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily, it says in the King James, is how I memorized it growing up, the, the sin that so easily besets us. Imagine running a race and literally someone just, boom, like sets you off track. Can you bounce back? You better believe you can bounce back. Ladies and gentlemen, you're sitting in this room and you've been beset by sin, you've been entangled by sin. You're not down. You're not out. Get up. You have this opportunity to honor God and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have an opportunity to say yes, yes, and you don't have to answer the fact of, I want yellow, orange, blue, green. I want Jesus. I want the right thing. I want to do what his word says. And that's the invitation that you have as a follower of Jesus. And even if you're here today and you're not a believer yet, let this be the day. Because yes, it's hard to choose what we don't see and what we don't necessarily in the moment want. But we get free to eternity. And we get to echo and experience what it was like to choose the right thing. Thing based on what we don't see. Greater is he, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's Son, God's Spirit, God the Father, all in one. Greater is he that is in me, it says in 1 John, than he, Satan, who is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, Let that be the forefront of our choice, that it's not about what we see, but it's about the things that are eternal that we don't see. It's an invitation, no matter where you're at today. I'd love to talk with you, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love for this to be a moment of brand new reality, of the joy of obedience for you. Let me pray for you.